What's up, FT Live? Braun Krasinski, Kratz, and announcement today. It is award season as the playoffs kind of rolls along. So the Players' Choice Awards finalists will be announced right here, right here on this show. Right here? Yes. Not over there? Well, over there too. Kratz, oh, you can talk about it's gonna it. It's going to be. No, no, it's going to be here. Were you ever one of the finalists, AJ? Were you ever one of the award finalists? For asshole of the year, yes, many times. I won <laughs> yeah. that award. I locked they that bitch that up. What would that, what would that trophy AJ look like? Every year. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of something I have handy. I don't know. Does it look like this? No, it's a. I, I can get it, but I, I can't get up right now because my mic's. It look like this. Right, your your bobble mm -hmm. for the podcast crowd. Also, mm -hmm. I could get some toilet paper. Asshole of the year. Go get some toilet paper. There you go. From Perfect. The, uh, like some bronze. Yeah, great. exactly. This is exactly where I thought we would go with the Players' Choice Awards. Great job. So we'll announce <laughs> the uh, finalists in about an hour and also have a special Major League guest join us, which you can see who it is. I guess I'll just say it. Tyler Glass and I will join us to talk about some finalists as well. Russ Dorsey in about 15 minutes here on FT. And we had fun doing our postgame shows after. Yesterday's ALCS and NLCS matchups. So we will do a watch party, which includes a post-game show for the next Arizona Diamondbacks, Philadelphia Phillies NLCS battle, which is game two. So let's backtrack to the ALCS first and charge the damn mound, powered by Tiza. The Houston Astros fall again at home to the Texas Rangers. Uh the game was over in the first inning. Sixteen pitches. I mean, not technically because they won five four, but what what are your keys to the postseason? Scoring first. Is that your number <laughs> one key? And have better starting pitching than the other team. Both of things happened for the Rangers the first two games. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they've scored first and they've had better starters. So I guess who's two and zero? Oh? Not the team that's bullpenning. Well, the Astros aren't bullpenning. I, I, I understand that, but <laughs> they did yesterday because Fromber went what, two and a third? No, not even two, two point two, two and two, two thirds. And two thirds. So he got he got five outs and six strikeouts. The, Wait, the what? first four yeah. batters. He got eight outs. Six yeah, eight outs. Strikeouts. Hmm. Six Ks. And there was a cartwheel, which was awesome. That by was Dolis cool Garcia. Dolis Garcia. Uh, he faced the first four batters that he faced all scored. Well, the first, good. first. Also, we, we talked about this on our post game thing yes last night. Uh, but I love the Rangers' approach. They were super ultra aggressive. Two pitches, two runners on, two hits. Simeon and Seager, and then Grossman hits that chopper we showed, and Fromberg zooted it down the line. Two errors on that play. Dropped it then. Threw in the shitter. And then next thing you know, it's 4 nothing before they can even blink. And took the crowd out of it, took everything out of it. Yeah, the Astros had a nice comeback. Jonah Heim here with the, the home run to give him the fifth run. But it just it, when it was 4 nothing, it felt like it was like 10 to nothing. I don't know why. And then Evaldi pitched well. Bases loaded, no outs. Gets out of the jam, Kratzy. You know, Dusty shoots a shot with Diaz. Altuve and Bregman, they don't score. And the game was over after that. How would you describe Framber's stuff? Because if you look in the first inning there, it wasn't super hard contact. He wasn't laying pitches middle-middle, but his stuff was still hittable. I think that's actually important for many fans. Can you explain the difference between you know stuff and location? Because those are two very different things, right? 
100%. Stuff and location. Because, yes, they weren't hitting them hard, but they were elevating it. Now, you know, Nate Lowe had the ground ball through the hole there. When Framber's good, he's obviously down in the zone. He's getting a lot of ground balls. When he's not good, it may still be down. That sinker may still be down in the zone. And they actually, in the game, partway through the game, partway, you know, was, I think in the second inning, they said it was like one sinker that they really showed. It kind of started on the inner half and kind of came back middle and sank a little bit. But when he's really good, that pitch is a ton of sink and it's late. Now his velocity, while it upticks, it looks great on the scoreboard when, or it looks great on the TV icon when everything, you know, flames are coming out of his pitch. To me, the way they're hitting those balls and the way they're laying off of his curveball in some situations, now he's still got his six punch outs, it just doesn't look like that pitch is really scaring them, that they can't elevate it. Before, when you see Framber and you see guys that are just swinging at it and hitting it, they're like, ah, how is that a ground ball? It's because it's that last late little movement, and he can get away with location. So location, yeah, oh, that ball was up. There's plenty of balls that are thrown up that don't get hit hard. To me, it's that last two feet of his stuff on that sinker. It makes his changeup better and his curveball to me, it's just been inconsistent. So, you know, whether it's a strike or a ball, the times when he's had 12, 13 strikeouts this year, that pitch is landed for a strike, bounced for strike three, see you later. That's the key. You saw the first pitch of the game. Simeon hits a line drive to the left, right? Mm-hmm. And Seager, I know it's a blooper, but the ball was in the air. Yep. And then that, that's the key is the balls that are in the air. He, he, he doesn't give up a lot of balls in the air. He gives up a lot of ground balls. And when the balls are up in the air, we, and we've talked about it. We talked about it when I did the DS with him. Yes, the velocity's up, but so is the ball. And it's not the same amount. And I remember, uh, who was we talking to? I was talking to Dusty Baker about it. And Dusty said, Tommy John used to have like this metal ball that he would roll around and like try to make his arm tired between starts. Because he's like, I don't want my arm feeling good. I want it to be, because he threw sinkers. <laughs> so he wanted his arm to be tired. So he had like the steel ball. He said, you just sit in the dugout all day long and just have this ball moving it all the time. Is that why you needed Tommy John? Maybe. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I he, never heard that story. Me neither. So he said, yeah. So he said he was just, t- he wanted his arm to be tired. Like most sinker ballers. That's why you get them. Got to get them early because as they settled in, they get a little more tired and the ball starts moving more. They get more of a feel and they get a little bit tired. That's why they always said like sinker balls don't want to give them extra rest because they you want them a little bit worn down. But what do I know? That's crazy. It's like, I don't want to be fresh. So maybe a long layoff is not good for everyone. But that's like, to me, that's the difference between what, what AJ's talking about there is the difference between analytics and the feel of the game. They're both the same thing. If an analytic person heard what you said and be like, what? It's going to be tired? Is velocity down? Whatever. But then you take it from an analytics standpoint and you say, oh, well, wait a minute. If his spin is decreased on his sinker, what's that going to make the ball do? Move more. So they're talking about the same thing. Analytic people are putting numbers on the exact same thing that Tommy John's talking about with the with the heavy with the heavy steel ball, trying to get his arm more tired so that when it comes off of his fingers, that spin is decreased, making the ball sink more. Are the Astros done? No. No. They're down 2-0. They're heading to I don't care. spooky Arlington. They have to take a three-hour drive. Did you ever see a 2019 World Series, kid? 
They did. You ever seen how many runs they scored? (laughs) Globe life? Yeah, um, there's a lot of sarcasm there. I I don't think. In 2019, they lost the first two games of the Nats at home, Mm -hmm. won the next three, Mm -hmm. and then lost the next two at home. Is there any team that gives less of a fuck about going on the road at this point? No, because they've been through it all. That's With the trash can point. stuff and all the fans and the booing and the the way they've been treated, the Astros don't care. And they got their guy, man. I, I, I'll say it again. I said it when they when they played the Twins. They went down one. They were one one. Everyone's like, oh no, they're going to Minnesota. The atmosphere is going to be crazy. Christian Javier, whoop, nine punches, five five scoreless. Next day, Arcidi, whoop, six scoreless. Whatever it was, or he gave up one run. I think gave up a home run. But other than that, it was like these dudes don't care, man. They that's why they play better on the road because they just don't care. They're just so used to it. Oh no! And their, and their manager has their back too. Yeah, which that's makes true. you have a way less tight culo. I was just thinking, oh no, they're going to Minnesota and they're going to count down the pitch clock for them so they don't have to look <laughs> at it. <laughs> hey, we're going to help you out up here, and we're the youpers, and we're going to make sure that uh, old Christian Javier gets all the pitches <laughs> in in time because we don't want to see him taking that out of his bag. uh also apparently Jordan Alvarez was quite ill and um he insisted on playing so that worked out so apparently couldn't hold down food Mm. bad headaches couldn't sleep they were like are you sure and he was like yeah I'm good and then you know he homered twice so he was fine monster he's a monster he had a a bad game one yes and came back with a vengeance game too. The problem is the Astros hit solo homers. There was nobody on base. They couldn't get that. They couldn't get the one with the guys on base. And that's why, again, the Ast- the Astros are down 2-0 because of their lack of hitting with guys on base. And that's it. Base loaded, no outs. You got Diaz, Altuve, Bregman. You're thinking, man, we might not just score one. We might score four or five here and, and, and take the lead. And Evaldi gave them zero. Many managers would have taken out Nathan Evaldi, bottom of the fifth, bases loaded. No outs. Period. Many. How many? Just quick, top of your head. Out of 30, how many teams? I don't want to say manager because most of the most of the time it's the team that's making a decision like this in this scenario. How many teams remove Nathan Evaldi at that point? 25. Because I yeah. in my head I thought of four, and so I know I'm missing somebody. What are the four that wouldn't have? Texas and Houston are two. The only two I could think of off the top of my head. Gabe Kapler, wherever he manages next year. No, he would have taken uh, him out. I'm kidding. Just kidding. Uh, I'm like, I'm trying to think of the two people that, I mean, people that wouldn't have taken him out right there. Council would not have taken out his, I'm thinking, I'm thinking apples to apples. He's got his horse. He's got his guy on the mound. Hmm. That's the guy he wants to go That's with. That's yeah. I don't think, um, I don't think Topper would have taken Wheeler out, which we'll discuss later because he took him out with 81 pitches, but that's a dis- different a different discussion, and I don't think Snit- Snicker would. Mm, Snicker, it depends on who it is. I'm saying apples to apples. Schneider, no, I... Schneider's on the mound. I don't think he's taking him yeah. out there. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Four-run lead? Mm-mm. Yeah. I, I, yeah, those are probably the four that I, yeah. Well, I'm sorry, all, three, what, three-run lead at that point. What, 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 all, what do those four guys all have in common? They don't listen to their – well, no, they offices. listen, but they are all veteran guys. They all trust their players. They all love starting pitching. 
they trust their jobs too, or at least they don't care if they lose them. Also, another great point, Dusty. This probably is Dusty's last year. I don't know that for a fact, but there's been hints at it, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone thought it was going to be last year, and he was, but he came back for one he's more. He's like, year. screw this, fun. I won. Yeah, he's like, I won. Oh shit, let's this try this again. This pretty good. Let's do it again. Ochi's not going anywhere. No. Right. Topper's not going anywhere at the two runs he's had. Mm-hmm. Craig Council's. I mean, well, that's a whole different story. But that's what, what he wants to do. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And then Snicker, he's not going anywhere. I mean, people love him. I played for him. He's great. I mean, he won a World Series, first one in forever. I feel like you're you're leaving some managers out. Like, what about Dave what? Roberts? No, 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 not Dave Roberts. Gabe Kapler? It was this was Kevin the- Cash, Bud Black. Stop. <laughs> first of all, stop. Stop. Don't up, do that. One, don't do that to of- Bud Black. Yeah. Why? AJ you- Hinch. Just bring up managers of teams that aren't. What about they AJ would have Hinch? all brought him out. Yeah. They would all had him out. I know. I mean, all the we know the Blue Jays would have. Brios didn't even give it up a hit, and he he gone. AJ oh. AJ AJ Hinch would be a fringe guy for me. I no, think Hinch, he would Hinch Hinch in the playoffs. No, he's he's gone that way before. He's done okay. it before. For okay, me, but, watching him with the Astros, he's taken guys out before. But you can't. But you can't. You can't fault a guy for taking. Like he had given up the home run to Bregman the inning before, and now it's bases loaded. I think. I think a lot of managers are thinking about taking him out. I'm sure so Bochy thought about it. Boach gets a ton of credit for not taking him out, and now it builds on that. Like other starters see that, other pitchers see that. Oh, he's got my back. He's not going to bail me out of this. I got to bail myself out. How about uh, in the DS with Dusty? Uh, who was it? Urquidy got in trouble, or was it Javier? One of them. No, Urquidy gave up the home run to to Julian, the opposite field homer. Yeah, but then, but then there was another opportunity where it was like second and third or something, one out, and they were it was like close game and like the fourth fourth inning or fifth inning, whatever it was. And there that was, was an Javier. Oppor- was it Javier? And yeah. there was an opportunity, and and Dusty's like, nope. And he went poop punchy punchy or whatever it was and got out of it. And, ne- you know, next thing you know, he gives him a great start. And Arquiti the next day, a great start. Just be- because these these – I hate to say this because it sounds so get off my lawn, but these older managers that believe in their starting pitchers, it's how you win. Uh, it, it just – it is. And I know we're not developing starting pitchers the way that we used to, but there's something to be said for your starting pitcher being able to give you six innings. Look at the numbers this postseason. It's crazy the the, the how much better you are if your starter gives you six innings. How can we can't go back to that? Makes your bullpen better, too, and that's the key also for the Rangers. I would say the most surprising part of the Rangers this postseason has been their bullpen because it was bad during the year. High 4-Z more blown saves than saves. More blown saves than saves. They're two wins from that's the, World the only Series. team to ever make to the postseason with that mark. Two wins away from the World Series. Yeah, well, you shorten up your bullpen. They've been Have really they been good, tested? and they don't overextend it. Have they been tested yet? Yes. Last the night bull- they were tested. The bull- yeah. Last yes. night they were tested. They were, they were tested, tested in Baltimore. Night. Jose Leclerc, four-out save. Jose Leclerc closed out every in. game, all seven games for that. That's what I mean. Have three. they been tested, though? Yes. I get it. I get it. He had to get four outs. Jose Leclerc was tested. It's easy if you keep going to the three guys. I want to see what happens when they can't go to the three guys, when, they're, when their starters don't give them length. They because did it in Baltimore. In Baltimore, they did it. They used which, all those guys. Which game? The game that they used. Uh, game that they two, used game fours. One? They used Burke. The lefty. Chapman. Yeah. Bradford gave him length. What was the score of the game? 
you just said you wanted to see a game where they use those guys. They no, I them. said tested. I want to see. It was a lot to a little, and it got a little closer. It was like eleven eight or something, wasn't it? A lot yeah, but it was eleven. It was like it was like nine one when Correct. they brought Bradford in. That's Maybe what the playoffs are about. Tested. If you have great, again, if you have great starting pitching, well, but I want to see the bullpen get tested. To me, if I'm the Astros, I got to figure out a way. And I know this goes against what we said about being aggressive. Get those guys out of the game. You got to be able to work counts, and they haven't been able to get those starters. One, they can't get to them. Besides Jordan and Bregman, they can't get to those guys. So. You got to build their pitch count up. To me, if you can get that pitch count, if you can get that starter out in the fifth inning, because Bochi's not just going to pull him because there's a cool matchup. You got to be able to work that pitch count to drain them to be able to get into that fifth, sixth inning of their bullpen. Well, the next two starters, Gray and Scherzer, nobody knows if they're hurt or not. Well, how many pitches can they really give them? There's your chance. So that's what I mean. This is this is huge. My Test key, if, if Kyle Tucker – Looks anything like he did during the regular Altuve season. Altuve hasn't been good. Come back. Altuve hasn't been good the first two games. Either. No, true. But Kyle Tucker hasn't done anything the whole postseason. He'll be the first person to say that. He said it after this one. If he does stuff, it's a completely different looking offense. In my mind, um, Tiza promo code foul F O U L for twenty percent off your first order at TizaEnergy.com. If you're a dipper, stop. No tobacco. No nicotine. Tiza. Let's start with NLCS. So the Phillies can bop early on. That was fun for us. We all watched that game together and did a little post-game action if you want to see that recap. But we'll give you a little taste as we get you know, 12 hours to digest what we saw there. And Kyle Schwarber, I read something about first pitch fastball. Did you see this? Kratz are shaking your head. No. Zach Gallen. I think Zach Gallen has thrown first pitch fastball. It was like 89 out of 90 times or 79 out of 80. Whatever it was, it was like basically 90-something percent of the time. And Schwarber's like, cool, hunting the hell out of a fastball, and I'm going to swing my face off and go 117 miles an hour off my bat and light up this ballpark. And according to AJ, that was the game right there. He was my player of the game. Player of the game. Eh, He was a player in the game. It was a big spot. But I love that. I that is that is literally, in a nutshell, that is my career. Schwarber's swinging first pitch in, like, thinking it's going to be a fastball. Good for him. The difference is he can do it. To hit it 117 on that stage, I, it it propelled him. It's not the most valuable player, but it is the it is a play in the game. What do you have to lose too if you? Swing yeah, and miss. Strike one. He's ball. been, he's been down 0 2, 0 1 before. He's been down 0 2 his whole life. <laughs> his whole life. <laughs> Listen, it's why he's hitting leadoff to make it 1 nothing at the beginning of the game. And it puts a fear into pitchers. The old, the days of the old. Now, listen, if you got a Juan Pierre or you got a Scott Pacednik or you got someone like that that can get on base and cause havoc, great. But those guys aren't. I mean, you got Acuna who does both, right? He hits homers and gets steals 70 bases. Great. But listen, you got a guy that can make it one nothing with one swing. That's why Kyle Schwarber's hitting leadoff. And, you know, he walks, takes his walks, and gets on base and all that. But he's up there to make it one nothing with one swing and put fear. Much like Altuve, though. Look at, look, after the Chris, or Chris Ober, Bailey Ober gave up the home run to Altuve to start the series. 
They didn't throw him another fastball, and Ober wasn't supposed to throw him a fastball. There's quotes that say, we don't know why he threw him a fastball first pitch. I mean, he quote, they were like, we told him, don't throw him a first pitch fastball, and Ober goes, oh, I forgot. But that's what? also on the catcher. Is he a bad listener? Uh, apparently, but that's also on, on the <laughs> catcher. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, they haven't thrown Altuve at first. It's been split, slider, split, split. Who's pitch? I mean, who's pitching tomorrow? Scherzer? I bet you he throws him first pitch slider probably, too. They should. Like, yeah. why, why not? The slider can be a strike, too. Like, that can be a good pitch. You don't have to throw. And everyone uses the word ambush. Like, why make it, like, such a negative word? Like, that's a pitch to hit out of the ballpark, and he did it. Like, that's it's impressive. Stadium's Russ Dorsey swinging by. Russ, what's going on, dude? First off, NLCS, Phillies jump out. Some homers. Happy birthday, Bryce. We showed the Schwarber situation. Also, not to mention the hottest power hitter on the planet is actually Nick Castellanos. So your thoughts on game one and looking big picture, do you think the Diamondbacks have a chance? I'm not even going to say to win this series, to make noise in this series. Like, is there a chance this goes six or seven in your mind? Or are you so strong on Philly out-talenting them? Yeah, I think for me, going into the series, you knew it was kind of David versus Goliath in a lot of ways. And I don't say that to be disrespectful to the Arizona Diamondbacks. I think what they've been able to do this season is great. I think at the same time, you have a juggernaut offense right now in the Philadelphia Phillies. They showed you first pitch of the game. Kyle Schwarber hits it out. Bryce Harper doing what Bryce Harper does in the big moments. Nick Castellanos, who I think when I think about the Phillies guys, they went to the World Series last year, took the Astros to six games. And Nick Castellanos did not perform for them. They're getting the version of Nick Castellanos that he thought they were getting when they signed him a couple of years ago. And so it it's going to be tough for any team that saw the Phillies right now. They're just red hot. And I think looking at this whole series, for the D-backs, a couple things would have to happen. Like if I were going to say the D-backs would win the series, they would have to win two games at Citizens Bank Ballpark. It's a tough ask for anybody. Uh, but you also have to be able to win – one of your two Zach Gallon starts that you get. They did obviously did not win game one. You got to hope for the best out of Merrill Kelly tonight because you go down two games to nothing, then you send a rookie and Brandon Fott out there in game three, you're in danger of getting swept if you drop that game. So I, it is very important for them to get a win in game two here tonight. I know that's a big ask the way the Phillies are playing, but uh, if you want to lengthen this series out, going back to Arizona with a split is what you need to do. Was Kyle Schwarber the MVP of the game, or was Zach Wheeler the MVP of the game yesterday? I'd say it's Wheeler, right? Like, obviously, you want to be able to get out in front really early, get a lot of offense. And, yes, it makes you, as a starting pitcher, feel a lot better when you have that run support. But there's something about Zach Wheeler, similar to Bryce Harper, when you get in those big moments, when you get into the postseason, when all the pressure is the highest, that he seems to rise to the occasion. And what he was able to do in Atlanta against the Atlanta Braves and, you know, his hometown ballpark, then to be able to, in your game one in the NLCS, be able to pitch like he did against the, the D-backs that have been playing very well, very similar to the Phillies, and they've been hitting the ball in the ballpark. Like, going into that game yesterday, they were tied with the Phillies for most homers this postseason. So it was a team that wanted to jump out in front early and had been doing that, you know, in their series prior, but – you know, I, I I just think with Zach Wheeler, he's in a zone right now, and he's locked in. And for the Phillies, you're feeling really good about that because 
your your guys on the mound, Wheeler, Nola, seem to be hitting their stride at the right time when you also have this offense that is waiting to score six or seven runs to support those guys. Russ, you ignore the troll in Kratz because I said last night that Schwarber was the MVP, so he's just trying to troll me. So don't don't take the bait, okay? Just just don't take the bait because it's such a bad question because he, he just doesn't understand how it works. But, Russ, we, we, may, we talk about the NLCS is going to be over quickly. Well, the Rangers are already up 2 nothing. Is that series going to be over quickly? I, I think Christian Javier and Urquidy are the perfect guys to pitch on the road for the Astros, and I think they can go in there and win two and get the series back to Houston. But they better do it. Tomorrow night, because after that, it's only you know, obviously going to get tougher and tougher. You get on 3-0, there's only been one team to ever do it. The only reason I give the Astros a little bit more benefit of the doubt, even though they're down two games to nothing, is because they've been there before, right? They've been in the ALCS seven years in a row. That's crazy. And so they've been down before. They've been, you know, they've had deficits before. And I think for me, looking at their situation, obviously not great. You would have liked to win one of the two games in your home ballpark before going on a road in a hostile environment with a Rangers crowd that has been waiting to see a team like this since their back-to-back appearances to the World Series. Uh, I will say this, though. If I'm the Texas Rangers, this is exactly the game that you want to win and say, hey, yeah, we're not going to leave you any room. We're not going to leave the door cracked for you to try to make this triumphant comeback. And, oh, here come the Astros. You got to shut them down in that game three. And I think a big key for them is what version of Max Scherzer are we going to see? Right. Because there were, you know, after he he injured that shoulder, it's like, all right, they're going to have to do this thing without Mad Max. And now he returns. And I, you know, we know what kind of competitor Max Scherzer is, but. You know, there's a lot of competitors in Major League Baseball, but if your body doesn't want to cooperate with you, it's not going to cooperate with you. So I'm interested to see what that first couple of innings look like, because I think we'll know right away what version of Max Scherzer we're going to see. Which is going to be super important. But to me, and you're talking about their pitching, yeah, is Altuve and Tucker, that combo, are they cold? Or is Texas executing their game plan to perfection? Because I heard Tucker's comments – saying he's missing pitches that he feels like he should hit. Yeah, I, I think and you guys are talking about Altuve with the uh, the Bailey over fastball. And outside of that, they've been it looks like they've been able to execute game plans against them where it has been very, you know, off speed slider heavy at bats from watching. And you don't want to. It's kind of one of those situations where you guys are two catchers. You have those planning meetings where you're like, OK, this guy is not going to be the one that beats us because this is what he's going to be looking for in these ABs, and we're not going to give him that. And, you know, I think you're, I think the world of Jordan Alvarez, he's on another planet, especially in the postseason. And, you know, you're not, you don't want him to beat you either. But I, Kyle Tucker is a really, really good hitter. And I think the fact that it's probably a blend of both with a guy who, you know, is kind of cold right now, not really comfortable in the box, but also a team in the Rangers that are saying, hey, this is how we want to pitch Kyle Tucker, and we're not going to put these pitches here so he could do damage. Okay, Russ, in my mind, a very disturbing news story that emerged over the past 24 hours is Kim Ng's departure from the Miami Marlins as their general manager. So I'll lay out a few things that we read from some stories that circulated from a few people that have done a great job covering it. So she had a mutual option for next year that was picked up by the team. 
she said no. Generally, if you're in a spot like this, you're not going to be a lame duck general manager. We talk about that lame duck status for GMs and for managers all the time. So it seemed like they were comfortable doing that. You find out that they are trying to hire someone above her position, even though she was leading the front office and led the Marlins to their full, first full season playoff appearance since 2003. She's doing this with almost no financial resources compared to the rest of the division and all of Major League Baseball. She makes some savvy trades at the deadline, which includes Jake Berger and Josh Bell to help the offense. They make the playoffs. This also, despite not having Yuri Perez and Sandy Alcantara healthy during that time period. Um, one should be back next year. Obviously, the other one going through Tommy John surgery. Add all of that up. How the fuck does this happen? And I was a huge fan of the fact that this is, long overdue, the first female general manager to run a baseball team and to run a franchise in general in one of the four major North American sports. And then I don't think this is getting a lot of coverage, enough coverage in my mind, Russ, the aftermath. Okay, so she takes a job. She's a pioneer. Many people looking up to her. She does her job. Just a few years in, she does her job, brings a team that never makes it to the playoffs into the postseason. And then essentially the team has kicked her to the curb. That's what I'm reading here. What's your take on all of this? It's you make really good points there, Scott. I think when you look at the situation as a whole, you got to think when Derek Jeter, you know, was named the president of the Marlins, he came in, was going to be, you know, the face of that franchise from the, you know, the business baseball operations side, brings Kim Ng in to be the general manager. And then because of, you know, the way that ownership group wanted to operate, Derek Jeter says, you know what, man, I'm cool. Kim Ng stays and builds, you know, builds this organization up, builds the in the minor league system. And, you know, they make shrewd trades, as you mentioned. They they hire Skip Schumacher to be the manager of the ball club and they play well and they play themselves into the postseason. Now, that's not something that should be just said ho-hum. They made the postseason. We're talking about an organization that's made the postseason four times in their franchise's history. Two of those times they won the World Series. The other time was the 2020 shortened season when everybody made it into the postseason. So we're talking about something that is significant for this franchise. And then for the person who built you up to that point to say, yeah, did a great job, but we're going to hire somebody to be the, the decision maker. I can completely understand how Kim Ng could look at that situation and say, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Right. There was nobody else here making these decisions for me. And now we're not going to have a David Stearns, Billy Epler situation where, you know, Billy Epler, before he resigned, that was going to be the situation he was in, where he was the sole decision maker. And then Steve Cohen says, no, we're going to hire somebody else to be you know, above you. That person obviously being David Stearns now. And I could I completely understand somebody saying, you know, I, I feel like I've done a more than adequate job under constraints that most GMs don't have to be under, and we've had success, this doesn't make much sense. And I think being able to stick to your guns, knowing that there are only 30 jobs out there, and she waited a long time to be a general manager in the big leagues. There were stories written about her 20 years ago that said she would be the first woman to be a GM in baseball, and she did it. So I don't think this is, I don't think she's gonna be without work for long. But at the same time, it shouldn't have to get to a point where you don't you have to leave a job because you feel you're not getting your just due in that role and you feel like your employer doesn't respect the work that you've done. 
Russ, who makes this decision? Obviously the owner, but I, I just don't understand it. Who can get in the owner's ear and say, man, Kim Ng, she's not doing a great job. She got us to the postseason, made great trades. In, in the Billy Epler thing for me, eh, I mean, we, everyone knew David Stearns was going there the whole time. It wasn't like that was a hidden secret. I mean, he took a year off basically from the Brewers to go be the Mets president this year. So I, I don't understand who – I mean, Derek Jeter left because of the owner basically. I mean, he didn't say that, but you can kind of infer with what he said. He didn't agree with the direction, right? Now Kim Ng leaves. Who's out there to hire? And who would they have possibly hired to go over her head? Because everyone except the Red Sox – Positions are filled. So who would they even hire to go over her head that everyone's reporting now? I don't I don't have the answer to that one, AJ. Uh, the only thing I know as far as, you know, who makes that decision, it, it comes from that ownership group themselves. And I think you you know a similar situation here in the city of Chicago where it's like Bring Kim home. Bring Kim home. Bring Kim home. To run listen, the front office. I <laughs> I think you 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 have a situation sometimes with a lot of these ownership groups where it's like, sure, at the end of the day, I'm gonna bring in all these people uh to help us make these decisions, but I own the team. And so I'm gonna make the decisions. And I don't think there's a person you could just gain their ear and just say, hey, this person's not doing a great job or this person is doing a great job. I don't know if that matters if you haven't made up in your mind that this is the, the direction you're going to go in. I imagine the people who are down there who have been reporting on this, who know a little bit more about the situation than I do, will get to the bottom of it. But it just doesn't it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like this is the way this situation should have gone for a organization that was actually looking like they had their arrow pointing up. And their arrow was pointing up because of Kim, because of Kim Ng. Can we look at this? And I'm not I always mixed up using the word objectively and subjectively, but can we look at this objectively without looking at it as she is a female GM and they're trying to bring somebody in that I'm assuming is a male? Like we need, like, can we look at it that way? I would look at it and then say the optics because Hey, the reality is she is the first female GM, right? She is a woman who is as a high ranking role in a front office. The optics don't look good. I think the reality of the situation is the on-field product showed that she was doing her job well. And so why did you as an organization feel like she wasn't doing the job well? There are plenty of organizations around the big leagues where you can objectively say, yeah, this on-field product has not been good and we need to make a change where teams don't make a change. I think we see it all the time. So that's why, you know, it raises your eyebrows a little bit when you see a situation like this where like, all right, a team has made, you know, prior to the season, the postseason three times and the GM that they bring in a couple years ago and built this team up and built this minor league system up and made these trades to get them back to the postseason did that brought in a general I mean brought in a manager that is going to be top three for managers a year probably and now we want to hire somebody above her doesn't really make sense isn't this where the owner needs to be held accountable by his other owners and say come on out and I know they're not the most accountable group but come on out and say why you did this because on the surface this makes us look like a bunch of misogynistic pigs I uh, I don't disagree with you, Kratzy, that somebody has to answer for this as to why this why these decisions were made. I think you and I both know that we don't 
work in a business where ownership groups really come out and want to answer for decisions they make. They kind of just make them and everybody moves on. But I don't think this is one that's going to go away very easily. And I, I don't think this is one that people will stop, you know, making phone calls and sending emails and requesting an answer for this because it just doesn't make sense in a, for a lot of different angles, right? It doesn't make baseball sense. It doesn't make sense for, you know, that ball club and where they want it to go, right? Like the fact that after Derek Jeter said, you know what, guys, I'm cool, that they were able to have somebody to lead them to this point. And then you say, hey, appreciate you for your services, but we're going to go in a different direction and add somebody above you that I, I don't, we haven't seen something like this. No, Russ, my question is, though, we're acting like, I mean, and I hate to play you know, devil's advocate here, but mm -hmm. she didn't get fired. She yes, had a, she, did. No, she had a mutual option, and she declined her option. Now, listen, I understand she didn't want to have somebody ahead of her or on top of her. I get that, but we're making it seem like the ownership was like, you're fired. You didn't do a good job. No, no, no. I mean, they just said, hey, no, we they want fired, someone. They, 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 quote, essentially fired her, and I'll tell you why. She was never told in the recent past that she's going to do a bang-up job crush it, get this team to the playoffs, and then we're going to hire some, wait, we're going to hire someone above you, and we're going to pick up your mutual option. So you get one year, and that person above you can let you go. Like, no, you're out of here. I understand. You're being told F you. You're, you're in a job that you're essentially being demoted of your responsibilities. I think it's spoken without spoken. And I think the only, it's probably the optics right there, Russ, is that, oh, yeah. well, you know, she's leaving because we, we got bailed yeah. out by this mutual option. But then option. it all started coming out. Which is great, and I I, right. I I want to see I want to see the owner sat down in front of the media and said, "Okay, explain." It'll never happen. No, because owners don't talk. Here's my thing: because this, in my mind, when this story gets picked up, Morecrats, it is going to circulate and look exactly like how you said it. This this is awful optics in how it goes down. This does not really happen in our sport. So somebody needs to speak. An owner, most owners don't talk because they suck. Then a commissioner, someone in PR, someone needs to speak and explain why a situation like this just went down or it is a mark against the sport, an ugly mark. AJ, to your, to your question there, I understand that she, she on her, of her own free will, said, you know what, I, I wanted to decline my option here. At the same time, if you're going to have your legs cut off from underneath you, where it feels like, well, my voice doesn't matter anymore, after it did all this, you know, you know, you could have done this for a long time after Derek Jeter left. You could have hired somebody to to be the president of baseball operations, but you didn't. And Kim Ng was the person that had to lead the charge in baseball operations and got you to a place where people looked at your ball club differently. And that's the part for me. Like people looked at the Marlins like, ah, it's the Marlins. It's the Marlins. But now you got to the point where like, no, the Marlins are a playoff team. The Marlins have some dudes. The Marlins could be a team to be reckoned with in a division that is very tough to compete in. And they played good baseball. And now after the season that you had with a manager that's brand new, that you feel really good about, this is how people are gonna remember your season. And it's unfortunate for the people in that organization that got it to this point. But at the end of the day, this is the situation that they find themselves in. So no, she didn't, she didn't get fired technically, but she definitely was about to get her legs cut off from underneath her 
if somebody else was going to have to come and be, you know, her boss. And my thing is teams do dumb shit all the time. And, you know, the world doesn't care about the Marlins. The world cares about the optics, again, of the first female general manager taking over a role, succeeding, thriving with limited resources, and then being demoted for it. That is fucking awful. Can't wait to hear more from somebody about this. Somebody with position of power. Russ, thanks, dude. Enjoy the games. Thanks, guys. Congratulations to recent foul territory guest Trevor May on his retirement. And, you know, he had a nice run, great career, made some dough, made an impact, and he is going to continue to make an impact with his words because he's pretty opinionated and he's pretty funny. And he just played on um, the Oakland A's, which has probably the number one trash owner in all of sports. He doesn't (laughs) talk. He just does damage. And here's Trevor May on John Fisher now that he can finally – Tell it like it fucking is. Sell the team, dude. I tried to get a sell shirt. It didn't get here fast enough. Sell it, man. Let someone who actually, like, takes pride in the things they own own something. There's actually people who give a shit about the game. Let them do it. Take mommy and daddy's money somewhere else, dork. And also, if you're going to be, if you're going to just be a greedy greedy fuck own it there's nothing weaker than being afraid of cameras so that's one thing I really struggled with this year was not just eviscerating that guy do what you're gonna do bro you're you're whatever you're a billionaire they exist you guys have all this power you shouldn't have any because you haven't earned any of it but anyway whatever it is what it is. Reality is you got you got handed everything you have, and now you're too soft to sit and stand in front or, or take any responsibility for anything you're doing. Yeah, whatever. Oakland is Oakland. Uh, you can make all the cases. Oh, it's not a great city. But you're putting you're putting hundreds, if not thousands, of people out of work that have worked somewhere for decades, and you haven't acknowledged that at all. So. But Trevor, how do you really feel about Oakland A's owner John <laughs> Fisher? Also, you're going to love foul territory. <laughs> yeah, but... What? I, okay, I'm not arguing with what he said. It's just the time. Why didn't he say this when he was playing there? Mm, why did he wait? he was playing there and he's but, on the team. Most, under, most okay, players fine. don't destroy an owner. But he's playing. like, well, I really struggled with this. But now that I'm retired, screw you, you're, not, you're a dork. Like, dude. Say it. How would that go if he was on the team at that time? He could have got traded maybe to a contender. I don't know. But it just – I don't know. It, it comes across – and listen, we've on this show have obliterated John Fisher left and right. And the sell shirts and my sell shirts right over there, I still have it and all these things, right? But if this is how you feel and you know you're going out, what? It, it, it means more – and listen, I'm glad Trevor May said this as a former player and, and someone that's been in Oakland and done all this. But it just means more if he would have said this while he was still playing to me. Now, I could be way wrong on this, but I feel like as a if you're an active player and you say this to your owner, to the media, it's going to get more coverage than on your – now he's just – it's almost like he's just trying to get clicks on his podcast. Like, look at me. I'm so tough that I – I think he was just answering it looked like a question or comment. I mean, that's fine. I get what you're saying. If you're a current player on the A's this year, like he was the perfect guy. Yes, because he, he knew, knew if he apparently knew he was done at the end of the year. Because he don't did make. Did he know? I mean, he made this decision pretty quick after the season. He made this decision pretty quick after the season. 
I'm not defending him. I completely agree, Kratz. If he would have said it during the year, oh, it would have gotten a lot of coverage. Also, when you say stuff during the playoffs, most things just get kind of swept under the rug because the playoffs is the focus. Well, he's not trying to sweep it under the rug. I think he clearly wanted this to come out the way he did it and was probably planning it during the year. I don't know. I, I take some cojones to say that during the year, no matter what, like you're, you're employed by this guy. I understand there's like a, the fact that he's got a guaranteed contract. He knows he's not coming back. I mean, maybe that kind of had something to do with it. Like he played well enough to come back and play again. He would get a big league contract, but I don't know. I just, I don't think, I don't think anybody that's employed by somebody should say something like that under their employment because then he comes across as ungrateful for the contract that he got. And I know teams will, or fans will hold on. But now you say after you're out of there, so you've collect all your money and then you say it, does that make him look more grateful because he waited till the season was over? That argument doesn't fly. Like if you feel this way because he waited till like, you're like, Oh, he looks ungrateful. Well, he still looks ungrateful that just because the season's over doesn't mean that he was more grateful. Oh, I made it through the season. Go team. Uh, I mean, I hear what you're saying, but I think more along the lines of like, he looks ungrateful for what he's getting during that year. Like this, John Fisher, whatever you think of him, is employing Trevor May into some capacity. And now that he's out of this toxic organization, he wants to say something. Okay. Out territory. I mean, I see both sides of it, but to me, it would have meant more if he would have said it while he was still there. I understand. Yes. But his teammates might have been like, oh, great. Now I have to answer questions about this, and it's awkward. Let's slap. I just noticed whenever I do let's slap it, it's always slow motion. Just saying. It's not one of your. It's not one of your. It's not one of your go-to moves. Yeah, it's not like you don't like it. I uh, not really. Yeah, but what, what do you want me to do? I don't. Not that. I mean, Whatever many, you're doing, don't do that. I'm. I'm down. Like, tell me what to do. Stick your face over here and let me slap it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's the slap hands that we were looking for. But well, my, no. my hand will be slapping. Sometimes face. I slap hands with like Kratz or or, or yeah. Todd, but no, I don't you know. don't notice what you didn't say. You? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because you're not being nice. You want <laughs> to, We could slap hands, but of course, what does AJ bring up? Oh, we could slap you in the face instead. <laughs> Classic. It'd be way more fun for me. Great. Uh, Kratz, what do you got? Well, AJ already picked it, and we just had a past Pirates prospect on. Say that three times fast. And I saw him inside here. Old number 75, you know I wasn't making the team when your number in spring training is 75. Just remember that, kids. Yeah, when you're an offensive lineman, it's usually not a good sign. <laughs> Unless you're on the Yankees. Unless you're on True. the Yankees. True. Yes. But if, you're, if you have an offensive lineman number, yeah, usually you're not. It's not your year. No. Maybe next year. When you get the, when you start getting the lower numbers, you're better. What, what is it? My, my thing, there's been like two or three hats where they have the design True. on the side. It is brutal because when you if you wear them backwards, it looks like there's something you know like he. he but he back in the day, though, you weren't allowed to wear your hat backwards. So no, so they didn't make it that way. But this was the hat I was gonna wear. You guys didn't want to look at this all day. 
No, thank God. Oh, wow. The Blue Jays, the Blue Jays spring training hat. I mean, it doesn't even look good forward. Well, why is it not fitted? There's spring training back in circuit. I know the Twins didn't have them fitted. This is no, my league camp. I like it forward. It works. That's, that's that bad. does not work. That is bad. 8 o'clock Eastern on the Foul Territory YouTube channel. It's a watch party. NLCS, Phillies, Diamondbacks, Game 2. We'll be with you, and we'll post-game wrap up the thing, too. See you on FT Live later. Go Blue Jays! <laughs> hey, get in on the action with the FT fam at BetMGM. New customers use the bonus code FOUL, F-O-U-L, for a $1,500 first bet offer. Download the BetMGM Sportsbook app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit at least $10 into your BetMGM Sportsbook account. Place your first wager and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if the bet loses. If that bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once your initial wager is settled. Gambling problem or concern? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.